Christmas days where you just end up on accident. You're like, well, I'll just have a couple cookies for breakfast. It'll be fine. They're tasty. I have done that once or twice. But there's all these super fun things that we really love to do around Christmas. We have a great time with it. We enjoy the season. But what is the cause of that season? In our culture, we do a great job of taking little bits and pieces from around the world, from different groups, from different places, and building really cool things with it. Uh, One of these things that has been built is Olive Garden, uh, an amazing institution of American Italian food. But there's all these places in our culture, in our society, that take different pieces, whether it be in food, whether it be in music, whether it be in movies. Our culture is built on taking bits and pieces from different places and kind of putting our unique spin on them. And that can be a lot of fun. It can be good. I love me some unlimited uh, soup and salad and breadsticks. It's, It's not a bad deal. But when it comes to Christmas, we have to be careful with that attitude. Because Jesus is at the heart of Christmas. Jesus is at the center of it. And sometimes with all those other fun things going on, we forget about that. Jesus is the center of Christmas because Jesus is what brings joy to the season. Christmas is a time of, you know, it's supposed to be a time of happiness, of love, of joy, of sharing, of being with family, and things like that. And that all started because of Jesus. Christmas is this worldwide holiday. It's incredible. We just celebrated Thanksgiving. I love the 4th of July. But these are America-centered holidays. Christmas, on the other hand, is throughout the entire world. Europe, Asia, Africa, South America. Christmas is everywhere. It's amazing. It's really, really cool. And the reason why is because Jesus is at the center. Jesus at the center is what gives us the joy too, because Jesus was a gift to the world. Jesus is what is the one who came. He was gifted to us. God's son was sent here as a gift for us. And that is the center of joy. In Luke chapter two, when we read the Christmas story, that's the Christmas story my family would read every Christmas. We talk about how the census is ordered and Joseph and Mary, they go to Bethlehem to register. And then there are two simple humble verses that talk about the birth of our Savior. It starts in verse 6. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Jesus is the center of the season. Those verses right there are the start of Christmas. Yeah, maybe it probably wasn't exactly December 25th. It may not have even been our winter time. But the point isn't that we're on the exact time. It's that the reason for us to celebrate is that Jesus was born. These two humble verses speak of him being brought into the world. The God of all creation. In the Gospel of John, it tells us the one who all things were created through, who they were created for. That is who came and was born to this world. We could talk for hours about the joys of Jesus, the reason him coming is such a momentous event. This mic pack Jesse told me only has seven hours, so I'll try to keep it just under there to make sure we don't go dead. But, (laughs) don't worry, I won't really go that long. I like lunch too. But I think we all kind of know 
If you're here today, I hope that you know that Jesus is what brings us joy. He is the one who came to set us free from sin. He is the one who came to die on the cross for us. The one who brings us salvation. And this gift, this humble act by God, coming in the flesh as a human, to be born as a baby, to grow up, and then die as a man, started here. That is the center of Christmas and the center of not only joy for the Christmas season, but the center of joy for our whole lives. Once Christmas is over, it doesn't stop. Jesus is like, oh, well, we're going to turn off the joy, you know, until uh, Black Friday next year. That's not how it works. Jesus is meant to be our joy for the entire year, for our whole lives. But if he is, there's something we're missing. And the re- the, what we're missing is that we don't always experience that joy, do we? I'm sure some of us barely got here today. Maybe we had a frustrating morning. Maybe the week's been difficult. Maybe Christmas brings up bad memories or difficult times with family. Maybe the end of the year is always a time where you start thinking about New Year's resolutions and you start thinking about, you know, maybe negatively about how this past year went or the last couple of years have gone. Could be about your career and your job. Could be about anything. But we don't really always experience that joy. That joy isn't always inside of us. We all have difficulties and obstacles. Things that take it away from us. And so if Jesus came, if the reason for not just Christmas and the reason for us to have joy any time of the year and throughout our lives is Jesus and he is always there, why are we not always experiencing that joy? Where has it gone? Why have we lost it? Well, I think we've lost it because of something we talked about last week. Last week, we talked about how fear can prevent us from experiencing joy. And there are a lot of fears that can take that away from us. Difficult things in our lives, whether it be things with our career and our job, maybe it's finances, maybe it's our homes where we're living, maybe it's something with the car, it could be something that's family-related, kids-related, But whatever it may be, there are all these worldly things that can take our attention away from joy. The problem with thinking that those are the reason that we're missing out on joy is that Jesus is stronger and more powerful than any of those. As the creator of the world, his glory and brightness shine so much brighter than anything that we run into. So those cannot be the reason why We are missing out on the joy of Jesus. I think it's something else. It's still a fear, but it's not necessarily a fear of anything worldly. We see as soon as Jesus is born, despite him being born so humbly, born in a stable with animals, placed in a manger in a feeding trough, the humility of this is incredible, but because he is God, the glory had to show up somewhere. And verse 8, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Fear prevents us from experiencing joy. But it's not really a fear of how things are going to turn out. It's not a fear of how our finances or career or family or kids or any of that is going to go. 
Those things are real and they're things we have to deal with, but they're not what keep us from Jesus. The fear of those things going wrong is not what keeps us from him. It's the fear of him. The glory of the Lord shines to these shepherds. And what are they? Are they ecstatic? Are they overjoyed? Are they amazed? Are they awestruck? No, they are terrified. We sometimes forget how powerful and incredible and scary God can be. You know, we think of angels. I remember, I don't know if it was from some animated thing I saw when I was little, but I remember seeing like a visualization of the, the shepherds seeing the angels. And there's like this one little star gets a little bit brighter and then it looks like a person and they start talking and singing a little bit. And then there's like two rows of angels. There's like a dozen of them. They sing a little bit and then they go away. It's like, that's not what terrified the shepherds. That's something that if you saw, you'd be like, that's weird. Click. Like, you'd be like, huh, I wonder what that is in the sky. That's why is that man talking to me? Is this like a holly? Is that a drone? Is someone flying a drone? Like, and for the shepherds, it'd be a little bit freakier, but they'd probably be like, what the heck is going on? Have I been with the sheep too long? But that's not what happened. They were terrified. Why were they terrified? In Daniel chapter 10, we see what an angel looks like. It's not a guy in a white robe. It's not somebody who looks really nice. I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. In verse 10, it says, and a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. I don't know if anybody remembers much about Daniel, but Daniel is the one who for praying to God and for violating the laws of the king was thrown into the lion's den. This is not a man who is cowardly, a man who is prone to fear. And what happens when he meets an angel? He's trembling. He has no strength left. There is nothing left in him. He cannot even stand. The glory of God is incredible. It's full of joy and beauty. It's wonderful, and it's what we are meant to know. In Colossians, when Paul is writing about festivals and celebrations and things, he says these are a shadow of what is yet to come. All of the best things in this world that you've experienced, the times of joy and happiness and love and peace, those are what God's glory is. But because we are on a fallen world, it's also really scary. It can be terrifying. And that fear is what keeps us from the Lord. Think about the Christmas story. A wondrous thing has happened. A beautiful, amazing thing has happened. Jesus is born. The Messiah, Emmanuel, the one the Jews have been waiting for, for hundreds of years to come and rescue them, is here. These shepherds in Bethlehem, they knew exactly who the Messiah was. 
They knew that they had been waiting for him for generation after generation after generation. And so when this wonderful thing happens, when the thing that has been waited for by a nation finally appears, they are terrified. It is a good thing. It is a joyful thing that happened. It's one of the most amazing things that's ever happened to this world that has occurred. But it doesn't make it any less scary. I remember when I first went to college, when I first went to, like, my first job after college, when you show up to a new place, it can be a little scary. You know it's good. When I got a job, I was like, I get to make real money now? This is, this is weird. <laughs> you know, in college, you keep paying to do work, and they're like, wait, we'll pay you to do work. And I'm like, oh, that sounds wonderful. But there's a little bit of nervousness, too. I was a little bit scared. Am I up for this? What if I screw up? What if I mess this up? What if I, this doesn't go well? We get a little bit insecure sometimes because we're not sure how things are going to turn out. If that happens with a job or with going to college, maybe joining a new group, going out for a sports team, whatever it may be, how much more will that happen with God who is perfect who is the king of kings and lord of lords. Of course, we'll be scared. Of course, we'll be nervous. Of course, we'll be anxious. But the question is, will we respond in that manner? How did the shepherds respond? We see in the next few verses, the angel announces to them. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I love how that's, the first thing angels always pretty much say when they show up. They're like, don't be scared of me. People are like, I am already scared of you. That's not going to help. You're tricking me. That's not going to work. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to, on those on whom his favor rests. It's an amazing experience. It's a terrifying experience. And how do the shepherds respond? When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. Despite the fear, despite the initial, initial terror that they were in, they stepped towards the Lord. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. So they go and they face this fear and they go to see what the heck is happening. And what happens? Their story is amazing. It brings joy to people, but it doesn't stop there. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. It brings joy to Mary, to Jesus' mother, to hear these things, to hear what has happened. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And they experienced joy too. We see in this story an analogy for our lives with God. 
Approaching God is scary. No matter how well you know Christ, moving forward with him is a prospect that can be terrifying. Maybe you've known him for years, but now he's calling you to do something new, to change in a way. Maybe it challenges your sense of who you are, your identity. Maybe it's something you really don't want to do. Maybe it's something that you don't think there's any chance of it working out. It can make approaching him scary. Maybe you're new to this whole thing and you know him a little bit and you're like, I know Jesus. I've had these good times with him, these times of joy, but I'm really not sure what to do next. It can be scary to take steps forward and say, I need to follow him more or I need to seek him more. Or maybe it's time he's asking you to step up and be involved in leading a small group, serving in the church, doing something for your family, and it's a little bit scary. Or maybe you don't know him at all. Maybe you're here and you're curious, but you're not really sure, and there's this Christmas thing that these Christians always get kind of weird about, and you don't know what's going on with it. And the prospect of going to this all-powerful God who is here for you is a little bit strange and it's a little bit freaky and you're not sure what's going on there. Maybe you have doubts he's even there and you're scared if you pursue him, you'll be pursuing nothing. It'll be a cloud that you can never catch and you'll never find him. Whatever it may be, there are all these reasons and all these fears that we can have about approaching God. And frankly, they make a little bit of sense. God can be scary. We see in the story, yes, Jesus is born in the humblest of humble beginnings. Born about as lowly as you can possibly be. Almost like an animal, just in the stable. But at the same time, the glory of the Lord is there. It's present in Bethlehem, and it is terrifying to the shepherds. God is both of these things at the same time. He's humble and loving and wants to be with us and know us and have a relationship us, with us. But he can also be really, really scary. The reason I want you to know that is because the only way to overcome that fear is to admit it exists. If we do not admit that that fear is there, if we do not admit that the prospect of going to God can be a little scary then we'll never face that fear and overcome it. Jesus is where joy is. Knowing him is what brings us joy in this life. It's through a relationship with him. It's through allowing, us to, it's through allowing him to change us, no matter how scary it is or how difficult. Knowing him is what brings us joy. He is the center of joy at Christmas. He is what makes Christmas what it is. And so what will you do when the prospect of allowing God to come into your life and change it, when the idea of following him comes up? When you are praying to him and you have a moment of revelation, of clarity, of leading from him, and you get to choose whether to follow him or not, what is it that you'll do? Will you focus on the fear? You'll be like, oh, that's not for me. Or will you pursue him? 
It's a choice that each and every one of us has to make, and we have to make it continually. If you've known Christ for a while, I'm sure you've had periods where you have felt that joy, where you've felt that elation, that happiness, something that no one can take, and even though you may run into obstacles and difficulties, it just doesn't shake you. But then it goes away for a little bit, and that's because we have to continually make that choice to approach him, no matter how afraid we are, no matter what's keeping us from him, and come to him, to seek him. Jesus says that he stands at the door and knocks. We have to open that door and invite him in. So whatever may be a little scary about Jesus, whatever may be a little bit scary about God, no matter how well you know him, no matter what may be taking you back from him, When he calls, answer. Trust him, even when it's scary. If you have to start small, start small, but move towards him. Whatever your fears may be, don't allow the fear to keep you from the joy, from the joy that is Jesus and from the reason we celebrate this Christmas. Let's close it out. Thank you for listening to this Sermon of the Week. Video footage of this sermon and others can be found on foothills.org.